it's great to be here this morning to share in, um, in the message. And there's a couple indicators that my daughters, when they were a little younger, a little smaller, and sometimes even to this day, a couple indicators that would make them realize that I was home and that I was sort of free. One of those indicators was if I was wearing a hat in the morning when they woke up. That meant that I was either mowing the grass or gonna mow the grass or some other project. I'm not much of a project person. Sometimes I just put a hat on to make me feel like that, but I, um, they know I'm gonna be home for a little while if I'm wearing a hat. Another indicator is if I take my shoes off at um, lunch. They know that for whatever reason, I may have a meeting that night or some other big thing and I have a little extra time in the afternoon, I'll just take my shoes off. And um, the youngest daughter, a few years back, I'd hear her say things like, Dad took his shoes off. She'd start running around the house. I'm like, I don't think any other kid in America ever says that and then runs around the house excited. But they know I'm home and I'm available. And then the third one is if we're making popcorn, and it's not the microwave popcorn where you hit the button and wait, it's whirly pop popcorn where you gotta put everything in and, and do that for a while. And then eventually you have a bowl of popcorn. It's always way too much because I've talked myself into thinking I don't have to measure anymore and really I should. But um, they know that if we're making popcorn, there's not much else on the agenda for that evening. And those little tiny indicators in some way help signal my full presence at home. And um, even though that's kind of a, a small thing, I wanna take some time this morning to talk about those ways that we can understand God's presence, God's full presence in our lives. So my name is Tim Price, and I lead worship here on most Sundays. For anybody who may be new today, today I'm uh, sharing the message since um, Pastor Andy is on vacation, and so I'm thrilled to, to be a part of that, and I appreciate Clinton, the rest of everybody participating and leading music this morning. And also appreciate um, Nick up there trying to get the projectors fixed. They went out on the on Holy Spirit, and I guess he turned it back on. It healed itself. And eventually we're going to have to get uh, new setups here, but um, I appreciate you getting that going. Well, some highlights from this scripture, from the text today that we just heard. This is from the Old Testament. It's a story of the Israelite people. And it's a story that's been rolling around in my head this whole um, year, literally, because I've been listening to the Bible on, uh, just through my phone app. And I guess I've never really done it that way before. I know I haven't. And so there have been a lot of things that have uh, kind of stuck with me just in general. I, it's hard to remember the exact verses when you're just listening. Um, but it, it stuck with me, just this general thought. So here's a few things happening in this idea of God's presence leading them with this cloud it's just one of the places in the Old Testament, this scripture from Numbers, where the cloud, pillar of fire, or whatever it looked like, was leading them. We most remember it when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, and it was dry ground, and, and, and the pillar of uh, cloud during the day led them, and at night it was a pillar of fire, the Bible says. And so that's like the standard sort of, everybody kind of can visualize that. But I didn't really realize or put it together for whatever reason, that this leadership of God's spirit in the form of a pillar of flames or a cloud happened for months and even years after that one experience. The Israelite people were following the cloud. It's a glorious thing to be led by God, but it wasn't all that glorious of a lifestyle for these folks. It was uh, hard work. 
they would set up camp with all these detailed plans of how to get the tabernacle all ready, this tent of meeting. There was a lot of messy relationships and a lot of details everybody had to figure out. And it wasn't just like a family of four going off and putting up a tent down at the campground for a couple nights. It was hundreds of thousands of people trying to move everything and everybody in this direction. And when the cloud moved, they all moved with it. But there was messy relationships and disobedience at times to God's words and God's decrees. And, and many stories were sad. They ended in death and destruction of disobedient people and their entire families. There was faithless and failure. The golden calf is a good example of that era in God's story of those people. They, they, they kind of lost track of Moses who had left, go up to meet God, and they all created a golden calf just to have something to worship. There was a huge learning curve, and there was a lot of complaining. And I read this list and all these things from the Old Testament, and I start thinking, man, I kind of feel convicted. Some of that is my own life, complaining and disobedience at times and not being able to react well to interesting relationship kind of problems that come up among people and the hard work associated with being disciplined and committed to following God at any cost. But thankfully, God set down his desire to be faithful and to show it. And God's presence is there with these people, even in the mess that they create. God's faithful and present in the good and the bad. And so, as we are seeking God's presence, these are some things that we kind of begin to get from God's presence. Our lives begin to change. So it's on the back of your bulletin. There are these four little notes, and I could tell them all to you right now, but I'll just do one at a time so everybody has to wonder. And um, the, the first one is what we get from God's direction as we get a glimpse of God leading us. The first one is, our direction as a church and as individuals come from God's presence. Our direction comes from God's presence. In verse 18, it said, when the cloud would move, they would move. They would follow this cloud, when, where, and how, however it led. And it may not have been easy. Like I said, all these hundreds of thousands of people trying to follow God's leadership, his spirit leading this nation, basically. And I wonder if sometimes God would just move the cloud a little bit just to see if people kind of reacted. Or the Bible even talks about in other places that some nights it was only one night. They would all just rest for the night. And then the tabernacle, the, the cloud would, would move. And sometimes they were there for an entire year in the same place. And I can just imagine this whole entire nation just waking up in the morning and peering out their tent and thinking, oh, we're still here, good, Whew. Man, we don't have to pack up yet. Or other times they might peer out their tent and say, we're not going anywhere. This is, I'm tired of this place. I and mean, we've got to get going. What's going on here? We don't want to just stay right here. But they, they followed the cloud. When it moved, they moved. And God waited patiently for them to move with it. So uh, God's presence would be there in the form of this pillar. And then it'd start to move and the people would realize we've got to go. It probably took a while. It takes, I mean, it takes like, you know, two hours just to get out of the house on vacation, let alone get your whole lives packed up and get on the road. Well, it seems like it's almost a fairy tale that you'd be led by this cloud, but, but Jesus, in the same way in the New Testament, did similar things when he said, follow me, come and see. There was never the exact big picture plan. It was always the next step. And sometimes I wonder about my own life. If I had seen the whole entire picture from then until where it's at now, I don't know if I would 
want to take the first step sometimes, or, or maybe I would want to try to work some things around so it turns out a little differently. But instead, the cloud and Jesus' invitation is, take this next step. We're going to just take a step. You may not see the whole picture. It may be tough to trust, but let's just take this step. One time my dad got a hold of us and been a few years back, and he said, let's, you want to go eat dinner? And we said, sure. And for some reason, we met here in the church parking lot. And just as we pulled into the parking lot, he kind of had his window down and said, follow us. And he just took off. And Suzanne and I were in the car, and we were totally shocked. and had no idea what was going on, because usually we stand around and try to decide where to go eat for a long time. And then um, we just started following, and we turn on the interstate, and we drive for like 15 miles. And, and the whole time, we're like, man, is this like a serious family meeting or some kind of big announcement? We didn't know what was going to happen. And, and we pull up to this restaurant in Alhambra, Illinois. And uh, when we pull in, they were already out of the car and walking through the door of the restaurant. So we were kind of shocked by that. It was still kind of weird. And we finally got out and followed them into the restaurant and sat down at the table and they were getting their drink orders. And finally, when it was all calmed down, my dad said, oh yeah, it's beat the clock night. If you're here before six, that's the price of your dinner. <laughs> so it was 10 till six. And so all of our entrees were $5 and 50 cents. And it was, a, it was a great dinner and it was really fun and a lot of memories from that little experience. But, but we had no idea where we were going or what was going on. All we knew was follow, let's just get going. But here's the great thing about God in this story. We can trust that he is gonna lead us in the right direction. If there's gonna be anybody that we're gonna follow into the unknown, it would be the person that knows what the unknown is. We want his voice to be spectacular so we don't miss it. But God wants his voice to be a whisper so we don't miss him. And too often we're looking for that direction, direction, direction. God is gonna give us the direction but it's gonna be because we are in communion with him. God's words are important. Of course, we want those words in our hearts and in our lives and every single week in, in who we are and forming us. But it's God's presence that he was teaching the Israelite people was the important thing. It's a thing that will never leave us, whether we ever learn the words or not or whether we ever memorize it or not. God's presence, he wants us to not miss him. God never leads you out of something without leading you into something better. He knows the landscape, the terrain, and he knows the long game. And I heard a little joke about a hunting party that was hopelessly lost in the mountains. It blamed their, their, lead, their guide for leading them astray. And the people cried out and said, you told us you were the best guide in Colorado. And the guide said, I am, but I think we're in Wyoming now. <laughs> so, the people were grumbling and, and probably concerned that they were being led into places they didn't know, but they may not even been able to know they could trust God. They were, they were totally, we, we read the story and we know the end, but they were totally dependent on this cloud to lead them. And they were wishing, complaining they were back in Egypt, but still God led them. I've probably told this story before. It had an impact on me um, when I read it a long time ago, but it was about a guy who is a musician, kind of in the underworld of music and kind of the dark places, maybe you don't want to be very often in kind of the techno kind of world, the, the writer said. And, um, and so he became a believer. He became a Christian. He kind of just left that scene. He wasn't involved at all for about six months. Then he got an invitation from one of his friends to come to a, a show one night. And he obliged and, and went. And he said, as he stepped into that, um, that venue, it was just a, a sense of darkness and evil kind of came over him. And and he thought to himself, I'm a believer now. I don't, 
I don't know about this. I don't know if this is good. And this new Christian um, prayed a prayer and said, Lord, this, this isn't feeling right right now. And it seems dark and, and tough. And I left this world a long time ago, and I'm just praying to you right now. Should I stay or should I go? And this guy said that he heard God's voice as clear as somebody standing next to him said, well, you can go, but I'm staying. God's presence right there in the midst of everything that wasn't good, and there God is, inviting us to follow his direction. For us individually, for us as a church, we must seek him. And as we seek God and follow his presence, we find our direction. What does it mean to uh, figure out this direction? Well, sometimes it just comes from the, the way our lives kind of unfold. But many times it's in connection with the prayer that we praise, the, the Holy Spirit prompting us to move and to act, the scripture that we read and listen to in messages that give us the courage to do what God is calling. And, um, and through worship, we understand this, this encouragement as the body to live out our lives following Jesus Sunday at noon until Saturday night, all the way through everything that we are. That's the first one. Following God's presence gives us our direction. If we feel like we don't have a direction in life, then we need to seek God's presence because God is leading. The second one is our security comes from God's presence. Our security comes from God's presence. A direction and our security. The Israelites started feeling comfortable that maybe the old way was better. Even though they were on God's path and they, that was a benefit, they started thinking, man, maybe we could have stayed back there in Egypt. We had three square meals and, you know, we would have died there eventually, but at least we would have been living life and not out here wandering around and wondering what's going on. They were putting their security in their own knowledge and in their own frame of reference. They were putting their security in the past, in their comfort zone, in their history, in their livelihoods, in what they were good at. But God's presence was calling them onward to a new place. And God calls us out. I recently read that you can be comfortable or you can be courageous, but you can't be both. You can be comfortable or courageous, but you can't be both. And there's a woman in scripture that tells that kind of story that Jesus tells about a lady who puts money into the offering plate, uh, the, the offering bucket as people were walking in to, to worship. And she put in just a tiny little bit but what she put in was a large percentage, almost nearly all that she had. Other people were putting in a lot more money, but it was a much smaller percentage. And Jesus stands around afterwards and says, look at what this lady did and do what she did. Model this lady, because it wasn't the amount that was the issue. It was the heart. She gave all that she had. She realized that her security was in God and God alone and not in what she had. Another aspect of security is being confident with the fact that God created you just the way you are. And that sometimes we think, oh, God couldn't use me. There's people that can sing better than me and talk better than me and work better than me and serve in the church better than me. And, and you're here because you're part of God's kingdom to do something, to move along, to help people find Christ, to bring one more in to this kingdom kind of work. And sometimes we just start not being confident Part of that's because we think too much of ourselves, try too hard to provide our own sense of security. It kind of happens even as we're raising kids, start teaching kids that the main big things are get good grades. Why? To get into a good school. Why? To get a good job. Why? So you can get enough money. 
That's kind of our, our goal for our kids, to be good citizens and not have to, you know, and that's, that's good. We don't want you know, our kids to not do those things. But what about having some different kind of goals like being a good friend, becoming a faithful pillar in the church that you're going to be a part of all through life, making faith and worship an over-the-top commitment that's going to be an umbrella for everything that you are, being honest and all those things that we may want to help them realize. It's about following God's plan for your life and all those other things, good paying jobs and all those things. We don't want people to think we don't care about that, but that's going to come because of. I heard one time that insecurity is chronic self-consciousness. And I could see that, that if we want to be secure and, and in God's presence, we sort of focus on God's work in our lives and be thankful that we are who we are and God's given us the gifts that we have. Thinking too much of ourselves puts too much focus on us and all of a sudden the kingdom is sort of on the back burner. One time I read that a lot of us are bored in our faith because we are sitting on the sidelines watching others advance the kingdom. And part of that's because we're focused too much just on ourselves. The safest place to be is in the middle of God's will to stop worrying about our own lives and to fill God, fill our lives with God's presence, following it wherever it goes. I once heard a wise preacher say something like, um, there's a lot of folks who seem to have a lot of high-powered decision-making and leadership ability and marketplace all over the region. And then sometimes they show up into the church and kingdom work and they sort of step back and think, somebody else can do that. And I'm so grateful that we have so many high-powered leaders that are serving in our church to move it forward, but, but maybe you're one that would be able to say, yeah, I invest a lot, but when it comes to things of the kingdom, when it comes to the cloud pulling me onward, I sort of hold back a bit because... I just don't know. Well, I'm grateful that we have an opportunity to see God's presence at work, work and then follow it. There's really no safe place in the world. Turn on the news for five minutes, you realize there's no safe place in the world. I mean, homes get broken into, cars have accidents, California has earthquakes and floods and storms and everything. Everywhere, anywhere you go, you could find some kind of problem. Our security doesn't come from what we make comes from following God's presence, no matter where it leads us. So direction, security, and the third one is our identity is found in God's presence. Without vision, the people perish. The stories of, of God at work and his people are amazing, and, and um, I, I think reading through this Old Testament story is, is powerful because pretty soon these people became known, like they were the ones that were known to have um, God's power with them. There's a little story of, of Samuel in the book of First um, Samuel in the Old Testament where this little boy is dedicated to the temple and, um, and hears God's voice. And eventually a, a whole long thing kind of spins from that. But one of the things I like about that story was it starts off saying, in those days, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. There was still a fire in the tabernacle, even though things weren't as good as maybe they had once been. And I remember hearing somewhere along the way, and I've probably mentioned this before when I've preached, but um, somebody told me to look up my birthday verse. And so you get in the book of Proverbs and you look up, my birthday is June 12th, and so you look up Proverbs 6:12. And so if anybody interested in doing that at home, you could just uh, open up a Bible with your family or kids or grandkids, and it's just fun to look up people's birthday verses. 
And if your birthday is like, you know, December 31st or something, sometimes you got to find the books of the Bible that have 31 and flip it around if you, if you need to. But I remember one, one day after I heard that, looking up every verse in every book of the Bible that was chapter 6, verse 12, 612. And for any kids here today, be careful doing that. Every once in a while you land on a wild verse, just one verse pulled out of nowhere, like something in Proverbs that says, better to live on a corner of a roof than in a house with a quarrelsome woman or something like that. So you got to kind of like watch out and, and take that into um, stride and, and not bring it up in the middle of the message when your wife's at church. But anyway, you, uh, you uh, take this verse, and I, I read Leviticus 6.12. And, um, and what it said was, meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest should add fresh wood to the fire. And I read that verse, and I don't know, you know, I don't usually memorize verses from Leviticus very often, but that had an impact on me four or five years ago when I did that. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. That's part of my identity, to, to keep the fire burning, to keep sharing and keep serving in that way. What is our identity as a Christian? Or what is our identity as a church? Is it about our location, where we're at? Is it about our worship styles or our worship services? Is it about our past or our history? Or maybe it's about our problems or our issues or the things we're dealing with, or here's a big one. Our identity is about our lack of fill in the blank. We don't have enough this, we don't have enough that. Our identity as a church needs to be this, a church on a mission to follow God's presence. And I praise the Lord that we're on that track of inviting people on this journey with Jesus to follow God's presence. Well, the people were filled with God's power, so much so that the identity of these Israelites was unbelievable. Nations around this encampment wouldn't even dare try to fight them because they saw the ways that God had been with them and the number of victories that they had had that people just stopped even trying. They didn't even want to. They would just try to make peace with them because they knew that they were powerful, even with smaller armies and less stuff. Another story of this um, identity kind of hit me this, this week. It was a story of Elisha in the Old Testament. There was Elijah and Elisha, and I always seem to get those two guys mixed up. But Elisha was a prophet and a powerful man of God who, who lived in God's presence, and all kinds of things happened in his life. But then he, he died, and he was buried, and he was in this grave. And, and sometime after that, somebody else, um, in, a, in some kind of fight, it's kind of a long story, got was also killed and died. And because they didn't have enough time, they took this corpse and threw it into Elisha's grave. And I can't believe that I don't ever really remember hearing this story before, but they threw this corpse into Elisha's grave. And as soon as the corpse hit Elisha's bones, he became alive again and jumped back out. And he was alive. And I read that to our team this week as we were doing camp down at Beulah. And I just said, that is the kind of faith we need. We need the kind of faith that sinks into our bones so much so that even long after we're gone, the power of God is still at work. That is an identity that Elijah had and that people of faith are able to seek because of God's presence. Speaking of that junior high camp, it was an incredible week and it was um, 13 or so of the students from here plus four or five leaders and, and just amazing to, to think about how um, experiencing and, and watching and seeing students at, at the altar. And I know often we, we're a praying church and we often pray during communion and at the altar and other times when uh, we have the opportunity and not just during worship, but just, you know, every day. But, you know, when you have four services on Sunday, it's a little more difficult to just linger 
at the altar. And one of the experiences that the students had and all of us had this week was one of the nights um, the kids came, probably half the camp was at the altar benches praying. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, five minutes to go back to your seat. It was, it was about four songs that we had to like stretch out and sing the chorus to a whole bunch of times and, and not even sing for a while, just play. And, and kids experienced what it means to seek the Lord, to get a glimpse of God's power at work. Our identity is God's presence giving us a purpose. And sometimes, maybe it's because of social media, we start trying to make our lives look better than they are. In truth, God's presence can lead us whether we're doing good or not. We're, we don't have to keep it all together. It's God working in us that kind of helps us to be effective. And, um, you know, we've been, I've been traveling with Ryan Freudcore, who's the, he's the conference intern for Harvest Ministry this summer. And we were all standing around at some roadside ice cream stand or something, and I said, let's get a picture. So me being born in 72, I'm looking around for somebody to take a picture of us. And him being born in the you know, 90s, he's like, oh, no, what you do is you just hold the phone out and get us all in the viewfinder and hit click. And I said, did you just give me a technical definition of a selfie? <laughs> he said, yeah, that's what you do. You just get us all in there and you hit click. So later in the van, he said, let me ask you a serious question. Have you ever taken a selfie? And I said, yeah, I've taken a few of them. And so um, we, we take this picture and, um, and, and then we just talked about that. I was just thinking that it's hilarious that sometimes we try to make life seem better on the social media. I heard a story about a guy who asked a friend of his what he was doing. And he, he said that he was working on aquathermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under a constrained environment. His friend said he was really impressed, but then upon further conversation learned that he was actually just washing dishes under hot water with his wife's supervision. Because <laughs> sometimes we just like to make things a lot better than they really are. And for the Israelite people, God's desire for the journey of the Israelite people was that his presence would be at the center of their lives, not just the promises. And oh man, the promises are awesome. Promise of abundant life and promise of um, God's grace and the promise of him being with us always. Those are all good things. And we do hold on to those promises. But even if those promises weren't there, we have God's presence. And we can all point to people that aren't living abundant lives, that don't have everything that we are blessed with and don't have opportunities like we have. But still, they have God's presence. And that's what God was teaching them. All these Israelite people doing the hard work of following the cloud and his presence was most important. It wasn't about what God could do. It was about who God was. God's presence leading in such a vivid way. His voice is saying, you are mine. And it's a little story I heard about a girl that had a doll named Isabel. And the dad, dad kept calling it the wrong name. Called it Samantha all the time for some reason. And I can, you know, share the pity of this father because I grew up in a home of all boys. And I don't think we ever had a doll except for like a Kirk Star Trek doll once that got destroyed somehow. But um, then I became a daughter, uh, you know, had two daughters and one of them loves dolls. And I think there's like 31 of them, and there's no way I can remember all their names. And so this, this dad calls it Samantha, and finally the daughter replies to this guy, it's my doll, she belongs to me, and only I get to name her. I'm the one that names her. And it just makes us realize that whoever owns you defines you. Our identity always determines our behavior. Our identity always determines our behavior. God is reminding us with his presence leading that it's only his voice that can divine us. You aren't who other people say that you are. And lo and behold, thankfully, 
We're not even who we say we are. We are who God says we are. That's our identity. And what if our church, each of us here today, including me, what if our identity all of a sudden, all of a sudden wasn't wrapped up in the problems we have and the health issues we face and the dilemmas we're in or the success that we've made or the people that we've led or the money we've provided or any of those things? What if none of that was our identity? What if our identity was this one thing alone? God loves us, calls us by name, and says that we are his and we follow him no matter where. Well, that's the third one. And the last one is that our freedom is found in God's presence. Our freedom is found in God's presence. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. It's God's church, and we have this opportunity to be totally, totally in to this. Freedom of Christ is not just a one-time event, although at times we kind of realize it, but it's really a lifelong thing. It's of continuing to seek God's presence and living in his presence and being willing to follow. And that's where this freedom comes in. We might think that there's not much freedom in opening your tent every morning to see if the cloud is still there. But in reality, it's the discipline of seeking the Lord each and every day that allows us to be free to live life in whatever way he's calling us to. Simple obedience always brings significant breakthrough. Just this act of looking brings significant breakthrough. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but maybe like the story of Jonah, God called him to go that way, and Jonah went that way. And that way had no freedom whatsoever. He wasn't free to live life. He was a little bit annoyed by the fact that he was having to run from God's call. He, he was stuck in a ship that was in a storm, and people were upset with him because he disobeyed God. And there's no freedom in living in what we think is freedom. The only freedom can come whenever we follow God's direction. Simple obedience, even just Jonah turning toward God, created this chain reaction that his life became free again. When God's presence is leading us, it's a freedom that can't be denied. And on a smaller scale, it's the same when, when you're with somebody that knows you well. When I'm at home, my wife's there, I don't have to act happy every single minute or you know, try to act a certain way. She already knows all my faults and ups and downs, and, and, and the, we just we understand that. And so I'm free to be who I am. And that's somewhat similar to God's freedom. He knows us, and we can be ourselves. When we have this kind of freedom, we are able to risk, we're able to serve, we're able to love, to be loved, to act, to not always react, even all the way to dying for our faith, the freedom to totally understand that God is at the center. This kind of freedom can only come through trusting God's presence. So that's the four things. And I know these kind of messages, uh, you know, middle of the summer might always, could come across as seeming like, yeah, somebody needs to hear that, that's for sure. That could be easily for someone else. I heard a little joke about a family on vacation and the, the wife went into the dentist kind of emergency appointment and said, we're on vacation and we don't want to waste any time and we've got a, uh, this tooth, I've got to get it pulled. No Novocaine, no, no time wasters, just get it out so we can get on the road. And the dentist was pretty impressed. And the dentist is like, which tooth is it? And the wife said, show them your tooth, dear. <laughs> so sometimes we just think it's all about somebody else. But it's way easier to relate things of faith to, to maybe that is um, 
for this person could really use that type of message. So today, for a few moments, what about you? Right here in this sanctuary, do you trust and seek God's presence? Does it come to your mind as you're sitting around getting ready for dinner? Everybody's running a different direction. Does it come to your mind when your schedule's chock full, drop in bed, nine o'clock? Has there been nine o'clock, maybe 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock? Has there been moments in the day that you have had this opportunity just to peer out and say, yes, God's pillar of fire is leading me. I am following it. I'm here. I'm, I'm messing up a lot of things, but I'm here. And thank you, Lord, for leading me. Do we trust God's presence in our lives for our direction, for our security, for our identity, and for our freedom? Or are we trusting other things? Are we following and seeking God's presence and taking those promptings of the Spirit that help us to be who God called us to be, to be the kind of world-changing church that can, that can shape an entire generation, an entire community, or an entire region because we're following God's presence and direction. And, and like me, you might be saying, yeah, man, if there was a cloud outside my door every morning, I for sure would be there. I mean, I would definitely jump in my car and follow a pillar of fire. I mean, that'd be so simple. I just, I wish I was like that. that that's the way I'd be able to do it. Well, that is true. There's not a, maybe a pillar of, of fire leading, but God's presence is still here. And we know it from these couple places where Jesus says, I will always be with you. Deuteronomy 6, he says, these decrees that I give, these rules and laws and directions that I give, tie them around your neck, talk about them, spend time thinking about them, write them on your doorpost, talk about it with your kids when you're walking and when you're, when you're sitting down. Philippians 3.15, God will make it plain for us. This verse says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. God will reveal it to us, this direction. Sometimes we have to go through the valley to see God at work, and that's fine. When we're dealing with the worst of life, we can look out and say, God is leading us. Sometimes we're too busy. If that's the case, maybe today is the message for you for sure just to realize that God is leading. Devotions aren't just for checking a box. They're slowing down enough to hear God leading us. Psalm 32 verse eight says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. God's presence through the cloud was the single most distinguishing feature of the Israelite people. And I read that somewhere and I started thinking, man, is God's presence in my life the single most distinguishing feature that I would claim that people would notice? Is it that way in our home? Is it that way in our church? In times of meeting with the Lord, things like worship and things like devotions and reading scripture, we discover our direction, we become confident in our security, we remain confident in who we are and we live in freedom. And that Holy Spirit still works in that way today. We need Christians who are locked in to God's presence and leadership in their lives. So here's the invitation today. I would love for each of us to notice God's presence leading us this week. And it might be a new and a fresh way, but we need to align our hearts to recognize in all that we have going on that God is leading us. 
and we must be willing to follow. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for what it teaches us, how you teach us. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives and for your leadership in the church. And we thank you for the words of that song that ask us to help us become aware more of your presence. I pray that you would make those opportunities clear and available. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, that even though sometimes we mess things up, a lot of times we mess things up, Lord, you are faithful to continue to lead and to nudge and to keep telling us to come on, come on. Help us see those moments, Lord, not give up. Help us to build our lives on who you have called us to be, on your faithfulness, that our identity would be wrapped up in your holiness, in your grace, and your goodness. God, we pray that for our church, for each one here today. In Jesus' name, amen.